0: Well, good morning again. Uh, If we've not had a chance to meet, my name is Mark, and I'm also one of the pastors here. Uh, Let me give you also a special welcome if you're joining us online. And if you're joining us for the first time, you are joining us at a great time because we are just starting off a new series that we're calling Turning Points, and we're gonna walk through the book of Acts. We're specifically gonna look at some of the points where God's church really needed to follow the Holy Spirit, And sometimes do a lot of catch up work. Now, John just had mentioned this coming Wednesday is a special day in the life of the church because we begin this season called Lent. Uh, Lent simply means uh, spring in Latin, and it's a season that the church has celebrated for hundreds of years in preparation for the new life, uh, springtime in the church. Uh, It's the time when we celebrate the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and so it's a season where we do a little bit of spring cleaning in our own lives. Now, you might, uh, if you're putting a few of these pieces together, say, well, okay, hold on. We're going to be studying the book of Acts, which if you know the book, it starts after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Why would we study this book before The Crucifixion and Resurrection of Jesus. Good question. The reason we're going to study this is because what you're going to see as we go through this book is there were times where the church really had a difficult time keeping up with the Spirit. Uh, The Spirit would lead the church in a direction and sometimes the church would dig its heels in or not even realize the direction that God was leading the church. And there's where it applies to each one of us, doesn't it? Because each one of us is called to follow the direction of God, the Holy Spirit directing us in our lives, but too often what we find is we dig our own heels in. Or we don't even realize that God's leading us in this turning point that he wants us to follow. And so this is an opportunity for us as we walk through the season together to become better prepared and have our hearts in line with God And specifically, with his Holy Spirit. Because if you do not walk in line with the Spirit, not only will you not experience God, but you will miss out on the abundance of what God has in store for you and your life. All right, So we're going to take a look at this book, uh, picking up where Jack left us last week. And we're going to talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit. But before we do this, it's really important to give a little bit of background because if you don't see what we're about to look at in Acts 2 through the lens of this Old Testament passage, you're gonna miss out on the fullness of what God is doing here and definitely aren't gonna understand the fullness of the way that the early church understood this. So if you have your Bible, the words will be on the screen, but I encourage you to open your Bible personally Turn with me over to Genesis chapter 11. Uh, Genesis chapter 11. This is an interesting context uh, of a passage where people begin rebelling against God. Let's take a look, Genesis chapter 11, starting in verse one. Hear God's word. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And they said, come, let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered all over the face of the earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building of the whole earth. So I want you to imagine there's two guys there working on this tower and in one minute he says to the other hand me a brick would you? And the next minute he said können Sie bitte eine ziege um, mir Okay. You didn't know that I spoke a little bit of German. Okay. So there's there's your little insight into Mark, but one moment the world had one collective language, and the next moment there was multiple languages. And so it was completely confusing because there was no, there's no dictionary at the time to know what does that word mean, there's no Google translator, and so confusion reigns. And in fact, that's what the word Babel means, confusion. And so the text says these people wanted to make a name for themselves, what does that mean? Somehow they wanted to establish this identity outside of God and his family name. And how are they going to do that? By bringing all the people together in one place, and they're going to build this tower as a symbol of this unified identity, and they're going to have it reach to the sky in their minds almost as high as God, right? Which is laughable, right? Because we look back on probably what we call today a ziggurat, we look back on ziggurat technology and think, that's just silly, which is probably a good reference point to us anytime we look at our technology and marvel at it. But they were thinking, uh, well, let me say, the problem at Babel was not their ingenuity. It was not technology. Okay, God wants us to, to explore and be creative with all that he's given us. The problem was that they took the technology and they took the ingenuity and said, we don't need God now. This still happens today, doesn't it? What they got right at the Babel project was that the people wanted unity. They, they See, because you and I are made in the image of God, do you realize that we need one another? Uh, we need, we're designed to be connected with one another. And I would say that of all the times that we're realizing this, in this pandemic, people are depressed. Why? Because we're not together. In this time where the, the culture is so divided politically, we're angry in part because we're, we're just not together. You were designed to be together, not only with God, but with one another in unity, And it hurts when we're not. So that wasn't the problem. The problem was they were looking for unity in a way that was without God. And they were bringing unity by force. They were trying to force this artificial unity without God. Now, this is the backdrop I want you to have as we take a look at this passage in Acts. Because on that day, it was these Jewish people who would have immediately gone to this understanding of language, and confusion, and healing now. So now, let's take a look at Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to start over in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, that is, Jesus' disciples. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? How then is it that each one of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. I like that last line. Okay. So what does it mean? Okay, when we think of Pentecost, okay, we think of this event. We think of the coming of the Holy Spirit. We think of the birth of the church. But at the time, uh, the Jewish people would have thought much differently of Pentecost. Pentecost is not something that happened on this day. Pentecost was one of the feasts that the Jews celebrated. It's one of three feasts which they would go up to Jerusalem. And to say that the city was filled is an understatement. Normally, uh, historians will say that it was about 50,000 people who lived in Jerusalem but during Pentecost, it was about 200,000. People would all gather, and what they would do is they would bring the first fruits of their harvest. Typically, at this time, that would have been the barley harvest, and they would bring this as the first fruits, not not the last, not their leftover, but to bring it to God, to say thank you. And why would they do this? Because God wanted his people to remember (laughs) at Babel, You thought you could do this without me. This is a reminder to show you, you, everything that you get is from me. Now, just as a side note, okay, as those of us who follow God today, we don't bring God our leftovers. We bring God our first fruits, and whether that is in your personal life or in your finances or your gifts, We're called to bring God our first fruits still, recognizing that everything we have comes from him. But I want to say there's another reason why God established Pentecost. Not only to show the people that don't don't live like they did at Babel, recognize that you need to rely upon me. God established Pentecost to give a context for all that would happen on the day we just read about. This, this day of the coming of the Holy Spirit so that they would better understand what was happening. So this festival where the people brought in their first fruits of their harvest, now the Holy Spirit would come and he wouldn't bless the barley harvest. He was about to bless the first fruits of God's great commission. The first fruits of God's salvation project. So Luke tells us, Okay, so the spirit comes, and there's this sound like a violent, rushing wind. And then fire appears. In the Old Testament, there are many times where God's presence is depicted as fire. You can think of Moses with the burning bush, or uh, the pillar of fire leading the people of Israel in the desert. And so here, this is a clear reference to God's presence there with his people. And then the fire doesn't stay as one. It separates into tongues and it rests on the heads of the disciples. And the scripture says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, which is remarkable. It's, I mean, just we hear this so often in the church, we don't even, we don't even realize anymore what we're saying. Okay, think about this. For all of uh, salvation history, God spoke to his people, but it was somewhere beside them or above them or around them. But now, what this is actually saying is that the Holy Spirit of God came within them and lived within them. And how is this even possible? Because they were made cleansed because they had trusted in the salvation that Jesus Christ had brought. Now there is a temple fitting for the Holy Spirit to come into their lives. And here's the other thing that's really important to know. And I think sometimes we get this wrong. We are so individualistic in our country that we just extrapolate from our individualism. But the truth is, you don't get, it's not like, okay, Marsha, you get a piece of this, and over here, Tom, you get a piece of the Spirit, and, and here, Kristen, you get a piece. no. It's one spirit. One spirit comes into all of us. You see? And then we become like cells of the body, bringing us together as one body. It is this way that God brings together true unity in the midst of our diversity. Okay, so the crowd, okay, having heard this violent sound of the wind, they all gather around and just, what What happened? What's going on? And then these spirit-filled disciples, who most of them they had not, they didn't know these languages, but God um, somehow enables them to overcome the language barrier to do what? To tell people the good news about Jesus Christ and the healing that He brings, and they begin to hear in their native languages, and they are absolutely amazed because somehow God has overcome the language barrier that was brought in when? At Babel. And instead of confusion, now it's clear, and there's unity, not brought together by human force or some governmental action, but brought together by God's spirit. Something really, really beautiful. And so here, You see in the connection to Babel, the the, the whole of all these different dialects and these different tongues and the different nations, now they're brought back together, not without God, but through God. Instead of building a tower to go up to God in pride to say we're gonna be like you, God descends in humility to us and then brings us together as one. And so here's the important turning point in all this. I mentioned a few weeks back that when, when God created the church, he created something entirely new. Something the world never even thought of, never even imagined. Something just completely different. It was a kingdom. Okay, the world had a lot of kingdoms. But now this kingdom is under one Lord. And this kingdom would not have a geographic center. You see, it would be Uh, all over the world, and it would have different language, it would have different ethnicities, it would have different geographies. There's no bounds to this, but it's united by the one Holy Spirit brought together by love. People all over the world united under this Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, I'm referring to this people called the church. You see, the church is God's gift to the world. It's an opportunity to show the world an alternative to the divisions of Babel. It's an opportunity to show the world this is what true unity in the midst of our diversity looks like. You see, because this is the group of people who not only love God, but this is the group of people who sacrificially love one another. Now, this okay, if you're just joining us Uh, let me explain to you, it's not that we've got this figured out, okay? We, We struggle with sin, and if you stick around long enough, you're gonna see us struggle with unity as well, okay? But what we have that the world does not have is that we have been equipped with the Holy Spirit. We have the ability for God to draw us together in ways the world just doesn't have. We have love that fills us that is not by our own efforts. And it's that that allows us to offer an alternative to this dog-eat-dog, divided, social media-driven world right now that's just a beautiful picture that God gives us of the church. All right, so here's, okay, I gotta show, let let me show you how this is different. In the world, What typically will happen is one of two ways to achieve unity. See, again, we're all made in God's image, and so we long for this unity. And so there's one way the world tries to achieve unity, and it's similar to what we see at Babel. Something where it tries to rally us around a a government, or a principle, or a tower, or whatever it is to bring us together and try to build, let's call it um, unity through conformity. Okay, here, here's the principle, here's the idea, and it's something that's not God. It's something that will build you together, and sometimes it leaves out those who are different and says, well, no, you've got to come and be a part of this thing. But our God is a God who never forces people to conform to unity. God does this through love. Then there's an equally destructive way that our world tries to bring about unity. Let's call it diversity without unity. Um, It's when our world recognizes that, yep, we're divided, aren't we? And so here, we know there's no way that we're going to fully come back together as one, so let's just baptize our divisions. Let's just say, live and let live. You do your thing, I'll do my thing, and let's just pretend and call it unity. Right. Okay, as if somehow that is going to overcome this separation that we feel toward one another, and our God won't live with that either. You see, because we were meant to be together, and we're meant to have true unity, true peace, and true shalom, and he's not gonna allow the fractures of sin and division to just do this. And so at Pentecost, God introduced this third way, this unity in diversity by the Spirit. It's a way that doesn't force anybody to conform, and it doesn't deny our divisions. It doesn't say you need to lose who you are in your identity. It says you're beautiful in who you are, and let's bring us together around this one Lord. So let me give an example of this. Paul, writing to the church in Galatians, uh, talks about this unity when he says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. How are they made one? They're made one by the Holy Spirit that came and knit them together under this one Lord. So is Paul saying that now our ethnic differences don't exist anymore? No. Is he saying that, let's go here, male and female, our gender just gets rubbed away? Absolutely not. That's a beautiful thing that God made us male and female. What Paul is saying is the very things that have the ability to divide us, these differences are now, we now can come together as one in this loving spirit uh, to not allow our differences to divide us, but it is this God who actually takes our differences and then makes them into a strength. And there's many of you who are sitting here, husband and wife, together you are better as one. You know what this is, this is you're not the same, but the two of you are brought together as one. And this is what happens in the church. You have people who are very different. People coming from different areas of the world. And this is a good thing, because I like Chinese food. You see, I I like uh, that uh, I've got relatives who come from Germany, and we talk about the places that we've been. I love this, and it turns out, so does God. He could have wiped out every one of those things at Babel. He could have Reversed the languages. You realize this, right? At Pentecost, God could have just snapped his fingers and said, No more language differences. Instead, he likes our differences. He happens to like the diversity. One day in heaven, we talked about this just a few weeks ago in Revelation, there will be people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. They are all brought together. He doesn't say, I'm going to make you into I'm gonna erase all your differences. He brings the differences together and says, isn't this beautiful? Well, it's beautiful if you're united around one, around our Lord and you are knit together through his Holy Spirit. Not by force, not by denying that we have our differences, but brought together through love by this spirit of love. And of course, the place we see this most is in the church. This is what God created for unity. All right, anytime you see me picking up one of these, you know that there's gonna be trouble, okay? So I'm gonna give you a little illustration. Um, When you have a guitar, there's an important thing that you gotta do. You gotta make sure this thing's in tune, all right? So, now there's a way to tune it unto itself And this one's actually pretty good in tune. You hear this, right? It's there, yeah, and it's pretty much in tune. But if this guitar is not in tune with that piano, we're going to have a problem, right? Um, it, It might be in tune to itself, but it needs to be tuned to a standard. The standard to which God tunes us is his Holy Spirit. The Spirit takes us and conforms us more and more to the likeness of Jesus Christ. And as the people who are pianos become more in tune with Jesus Christ and the guitar people become more and more like Jesus Christ, then we begin to sound more unified together. And you might say, well, wait a minute. I'm not interested in somebody making me conform to something, transforming, but watch this. Each one of these notes, okay, I'm just gonna play a simple C chord. You've got a C, you've got a E, you've got a G. Three different notes, you hear them? But if I play them together, they sound beautiful together, right? There's a harmony that, that in, in music, similar to the church, Each one of us plays together to make beautiful music. It doesn't diminish your difference. It doesn't take it away. It just now God uses each one of us to make beautiful harmony. You see? By the way, Keith plays so much better than I do. I'm totally jealous now. All right. So here's my question. Are you... I don't know about you, okay, but I am so tired of the division that I'm seeing all around us. And when I went to this passage this week and saw this, this is what God really laid on my heart. He said, Mark, this is my vision for unity in the world. God does not want us to live like Babel. God created us to be in unity with him and with one another. That's what the church is. And so there's two turning points I really want you to hear this morning from God's word. The first is this. Do you realize that the same Holy Spirit that came on that Pentecost is available to you today? This is not just something that happened in the past. This is the present. Our God is very real, and he is one that wants to come and fill you not just live beside you, not live over you, not speak outside of you, but to be in you, to draw you into this body. Now, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you have received his Holy Spirit. But do you allow this Spirit to fill you? Have you removed the barriers that allow him to work in you and through you, to be able to put you in my illustration in tune with the one who is the standard? When is the last time you asked the Spirit to please fill me and empower me so that I could love Jesus all the more? When's the last time you turned to God's word and said, speak to me, Lord. I really want to listen. Help me to be more and more like you. So there's the first one. In a moment, we're going to get a chance to sing. We're going to get a chance to confess this and, and, and be more in tune with it. But I want to give you another challenge this morning that's a turning point. And this one is more of a challenge. This is, if we have a God who has come into us through his Holy Spirit and draws us together as his body, have you been more of a uniter or A divider? Are you somebody who, who who brings people together around the unity of the Spirit? Have you pointed people to Jesus Christ? What would people say if they looked at your social media account? You see, because if there's a way to bring people to unity, it's not pushing them toward a political stand. It's not, you know what it is? It's bringing them together in Jesus Christ. That's where we'll find true unity. And so, Friends, um, we are the people of unity because we're the people who have been brought together by this one Holy Spirit to show the world what it looks like to be people of unity. And we're the best ones to show the world this because of this uniting spirit. So let's be filled with this spirit. Let's show the world an alternative to the dog-eat-dog world of of Babel, and it all begins, of course, with each one of us opening our hearts to the Spirit and saying, fill me, renew me, and then, Lord, renew us so that we, together, can show a beautiful, unified alternative to the force of this world that wants to conform people to it and the ignorance of this world that denies the importance of unity. And instead, let's come together in the unity of the Spirit to show the beauty of what we were created to be. So Father, this morning we just want to say we need that unity. Oh my goodness, Lord. And we'd ask for forgiveness, even in the church, Lord, in ways that we have not lived up to this unity. I pray for anybody here who needs to confess to you the places where they have not lived up to this, places where they have not encouraged others to see Jesus in their lives. And Father, I would ask that you would unify our church so that we together would show Jesus more clearly to the world. Fill each and every one of us and help us to live out our role as your body. Thank you for these new members you've brought in Just a reminder that we all have a role to play as members of your body, filled by your spirit to show the world an alternative. And so we say thank you for that true unity. Thank you, spirit, for your love. Fill us now.